It's good to see you here today and thank God for you. If you will, turn your Bibles with us to the book of St. Matthew. The book of St. Matthew. The love of my life, as she's already told you, my wife has a birthday. Could we just one more time thank God for her? She's expensive. I just spent about $6,000 on her. Mm. Not too much? Not too much? I don't think so either. I think it's great. I think it's great. Teresa, it's good to see you today. God bless you. We love you. Love you and the family. Turn, as I said, your Bibles to St. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to begin reading with verse 36. Now, here is a Pharisee. Not only here is a Pharisee, but here is uh, a lawyer that comes to Jesus. And here's what he asks the Lord. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, or like it rather. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, we have to love God and love others. I found out something that's very important. You can't love others like you ought to unless you first of all love God. You think you love your wife, have an affection and a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that love for that wife or that husband is enhanced. You think you love brothers and sisters? You think you love people? Hey, how about enemies? It's hard to love enemies without the love of God. So you have, first of all, a vertical relationship, a vertical love. And second of all, you have a horizontal relationship. So it's important that we do that. Now let me turn, if you will allow me, to Acts chapter 15. By the way, I love Acts 15. It is a great chapter in the book of Acts. This is the this is the chapter where you know, the early church is, of course, is recorded in the book of Acts. And, and here in the 15th chapter, there's this ongoing ism, this ongoing debate over whether that the Gentiles that are now being saved should be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. And so there's this great debate in Jerusalem. James, of course, is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He stands up and says some things. And, and so they're going back and forth. And Peter has, uh, is, is informing them that he has been sent to the Gentiles. And God poured out his spirit on the Gentiles also. By the way, if you don't have an outline of the message, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline. If you do not have an outline, Brother Steve will make sure you get one. So here we are in the 15th chapter of the book of, uh, of Acts. And we find that, uh, as I said, there's this ongoing debate over that. And then it's settled. It is settled. And I want to start reading with verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, 
Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them from Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Father, we not only want to learn and be informed, we sincerely desire to be transformed, changed. May this word, may your, may your word change us today and we'll leave this place better men and women than what we can. God bless Dear God, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand. In Christ's name, amen. Look at your introduction. Saul had been such a vicious persecutor of Christians that even after his conversion, the brethren were still afraid of him. When Paul eventually returned to Jerusalem, following his conversion to Christ, Barnabas had to persuade the disciples to let the apostle fellowship with them. As a result of this intercession, a wonderful friendship between Paul and Barnabas was formed. Then as the Christian church began to extend its reach into the known world, the Holy Spirit sends Paul and Barnabas on a special mission to share the gospel in the area of Asia Minor. There's probably not many of us that don't know the uh, experience that the Apostle Paul had in coming to the Lord and he was, when he was on his way to Damascus and of course he was riding on this horse he fell to the ground and Jesus Christ himself revealed himself to the apostle Paul he goes to a, a, a street called Straight and there he was prayed for by the way when he fell off of his horse and saw this light he was blinded but then when Ananias laid his hands upon him prayed for him, he was able to see again, and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, before that that happened, Paul was an evil person. He had men killed. He had people put in prison, Christians that is. And he persecuted the church severely. And so when he got saved and he spent some time there in Damascus, and then he goes back to Jerusalem, the apostles there were afraid of him because they were afraid that he, would, he was going to lock them up, put them in chain, or even maybe perhaps have, him, have them killed. So they wouldn't have anything to do with the apostle Paul. It was Barnabas that first began to trust Paul. The study of Barnabas is just a great study. Great man, an encourager, one that was kind and gentle. And so he befriended Paul and he introduced Paul to the apostles and they accepted him and began to fellowship with him. And so Paul was accepted in the inner circle. They, as I said uh, in your introduction, Paul and Barnabas were sent on a special missions to share the gospel in Asia Minor. This was their first trip. 
And they took with them on that first trip a a young man by the name of John Mark. Mark went with them. And uh, then after the first trip, there was a, a space between that of time. And then we find that Paul says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word. In other words, what they were going to do is take the second trip, go back to the churches that they had visited, encourage the brethren, see how the churches were doing, fellowship in those that they had introduced the gospel to. Well, something happened that's very important. Barnabas wanted to take this young man Mark, Saul, or Paul rather, did not want to take Mark. And sir, there was a division. And so they, did, they parted ways. And Paul went one way and Barnabas went the other way. Now, when you first look at this, in fact, when you study this, a lot of commentators and a lot of commentaries talk about the great split. In fact, it does say there was, in fact, uh, one translation said there was sharp disagreement. Paul said, not taking him. Barnabas said, we are going to take him. Then there was a sharp disagreement. We're not going to go. So they just split. One translation uh, said uh, that uh, they disagreed sharply or they argued. Now, I'm not not necessarily fond of the message in this translation. It says tempers flared. Tempers flared. I'm not too sure that tempers flared. I I think the agreement was certainly there. I think that they, they really and truly disagreed. But I don't think they became angry at each other. And this disagreement is very important that we look at it and learn from it. As most of you know, we're on the subject of relationships. You're more hurt over relationships that go south, that go sour, or, 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 or that fall apart. You can be damaged by a spouse, by a loved one, by a brother, a sister. In fact, I believe we experience much of our hurt over relationships relationships and last week we talked about the relationship between Paul and Demas he was another young man that was on a missionary trip with Paul but the Bible says that Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world so we're talking about Paul had many relationships Demas left him. That was a great message, by the way, in the fact that we found out that God, that Jesus is married to the backslider. And if we've gotten away from the Lord, if we have what we call backslid on God, we can come back to him, be restored and be renewed. But today, Paul and Barnabas go their own separate ways. Notice, if you will, Roman numeral number one. Barnabas served both as a sponsor and a mentor for Paul. Orlando Rivera, Orlando Rivera, School of Global Leadership and Entrepreneurship from Regent University. Some of you have heard of that school. Well, this is the writing, and this is where I got this outline. The four stages of mentoring. 
I, I want to go back to chapter 9 of Acts, though, in verse 26. And when, when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to him, and I've done and read that, but let's look at Acts 11, uh, 25, if you will, 11, 25, and 26. Then Barnabas departed, departed for Tarshish to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Stay with me now. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called what? Christians. At Antioch. So this, there's this sequence of happening. Paul comes to Jerusalem. The apostles accept him. Uh, then Acts goes into the t- teaching and the recording of what happened in Peter's life. In fact, there's several chapters there in, in, concerning uh, Peter's ministry. Then there breaks a revival in Antioch. Uh, and Barnabas is sent to Antioch so he can minister there in this city called Antioch. Well, something happened or he wanted to, Paul to come. So he leaves Antioch and he goes to Tarsus to find Saul. Now, why would he go to Tarsus to find Saul? Saul's training in the schools of Greek philosophy, his Saul's, and we know this by the scripture, his eloquence and logic were needed among the polished scholars at Antioch. So here we are, revivals in Antioch. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. He realizes he needs the apostle or he needs Paul at that particular time. He goes to Tarshish and brings him. And so they stay there in Antioch for a year. And the reason I wanted to mention that to you, they had a great relationship. A bond. A love for each other, a working together, and now all of a sudden this division comes and they separate. Look at the four stages of mentoring. You have the first initiation stage in Antioch. Just told you that story, how how he goes and he gets Paul and he brings him to Antioch. Now I hope that all of us are either a mentor or a mentee. Mentors should be willing to teach, be a good example. Mentees should be willing to be taught. A lot of people today willing to be taught. They know everything. Not just in Christendom. But so many people, hey, you don't have to tell me that. I already know it. But we all, no matter our age and no matter how long we've been serving God or how long we've been living, we all should be willing to say, hey, teach me something. Be open for God, for God's people, for God's saints, certainly to teach us. So there is the initiation stage. So if you're a mentor today, if, you've been, if you're a seasoned believer, it's up to you to seek out those people, that person that you want to mentor Every person in ministry, and we're all in ministry if we're a believer. Is that okay? And we should be willing to say, hey, I want someone to follow in my footsteps as I follow Jesus Christ so I can teach them and mentor them so when I'm gone, someone else can take over and go on with the work. All of us. 
And so it's up to the mentor to go to the mentee and get them to be, hey, I want to teach you and I want to be your mentor. The second one, the cultivation stage, is during the first missionary journey. When they went together and traveled for miles and miles, didn't have buses, didn't have airplanes, didn't have cars. They walked, they rode animals, they went on the ships. But they, they travel this first missionary. This is a trip. And you'll find that in uh, Acts chapter 13. In fact, by the way, I want to read three verses. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Menamon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. little side note here. Tonight, we have a very special evening service at 6 o'clock. There are going to be five ministers that are going to be licensed or ordained. I invite you to be here if you can. It's going to be great. A licensing and ordination service tonight. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have a sermon, no better as far as I'm concerned, with this coming up this evening. So at 6 o'clock, be here if you possibly can. So we find that here that, uh, that Barnabas and Saul was sent out and they were sent away on their first missionary trip. So that is the cultivating stage. So follow me. Look back at the notes. First of all, the, the initiation stage, then the cultivating stage on this first missionary trip. Now here we are at the separation stage. Acts 15, 36 through 39. I just read that into your hearing. Paul and Barnabas separated. And then you have number four, the re definition stage redefining stage and that's found in acts that's that's barnabas chose that's where they lead barnabas chose for him mark mark did go with him paul chose with him silas to go on his next missionary trip i hope i haven't muddied this up too much because i really want us to be able to grasp what god is doing here Because you may say, hey, me and brother so-and-so, me and sister so-and-so, we're not as close as we at one time were. In fact, there may have been some sharp disagreements and contention between you. But Paul and Barnabas separated. But I want you to notice some things about their past and about them. The two men were divided over Mark, accompanied them, and they departed ways. Barnabas with Mark. Paul with Silas, on the service, would you say to me this morning, this don't look good. And I know this is sort of a pastoral message, but I think it's good for all of us. Some characteristics about this conflict. First of all, Paul and Barnabas did not take the problem personally. Second of all, they saw the matter through to a resolution. And when you read the scripture, you know that things happened and they were able, Paul and Barnabas were still friends even though they separated. Number three, both Paul and Barnabas seemed to be acting in accordance with their own spiritual gifts. Their own 
spiritual gifts. On the surface, this relationship, that's what we're talking about, between Paul and Barnabas is damaged. On the surface, surface, this separation seems to go against the very kingdom of God. But we're going to learn some lessons about the separation. And in spite of what happened between these two great, great men of God, God is teaching the church. You know, Luke could have left this out. Luke could have said, I'm not going to put this in. There is much in the Bible that God allowed to be put in the Bible so you you and I can learn from lessons from what happened to individuals. The relationships. I want us to notice as we look. But before we do, I want to mention some years ago, I mean many years ago, back in the 50s and 60s. There was a man that many of the gospel ministers, especially Pentecostal preachers like Or Roberts, Jack Coe, uh, but, but one of the great preachers of that era was a man by the name of A. A. Allen. Most of you will never knew of him. You don't even know that name. But believe me, he was a great man of God. A. A. Allen. He traveled all over the nation preaching. He had miracle after miracle and many miracles to take place in his tent revivals, in his what we call warehouse revivals. Tens of thousands of people came. Many people. He reached millions of people. This man, A.A. Allen. There was a man that worked with him. His name was R.W. Schambach. Now, some of you may remember that name, R.W. Schambach. Well, A.A. Allen and R.W. Schambach worked together and, as I said, traveled all over the world, not just America, but all over the world preaching the gospel, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle happen. And for five years, R.W. Schambach was with A.A. Allen in this ministry. I happened to be in the service, the last service that R.W. Schambach was with A.A. Allen. I'll never forget it. It was in a warehouse. And it was quite a moving service. So R.W. Schambach decides to leave this man, A.A. Allen. And we say, oh my, this is, a, this is just, it's not good. But if you know anything about what happened, R.W. Schambach had his own ministry. In fact, he himself preached all over the world, especially the United States, in tents and in large auditoriums. And so you had A.A. Allen reaching out to millions of people. You had R.W. Schambach reaching out to millions of people. And as far as I know, they stayed friends the whole time. And that's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. Rather than having two to go into the mission field, there was four now to go. Notice some of the lessons we learned. Personal characteristics and surroundings affect our judgment sometimes. You see, Mark was kin to Barnabas. Let me say that again. Mark was kin to Barnabas. He was his uncle. Barnabas was Mark's uncle. So he really, he really had an affection for him. Not only that, but his personality was, uh, was one of, of gentleness. 
Barnabas' personality was, was one of encouragement. In fact, we've been having, since 1991, we have a ministry in this church called the Barnabas Ministry. And what happens, we come to church, we have prayer on Wednesday night, and we leave the church, and we go to rest homes, we go to, we go to shut-ins, we go to, uh, to the hospitals, or wherever we can. And that's called the Barnabas Ministry because it's an encouraging and lifting up ministry. Now, Paul, someone said Paul was real short. I don't know his physical appearance. But he was a, we do know he was a fiery man. And so here is the uncle of Mark saying, hey, I want to take Mark because I want to continue to mentor him. Paul said, we're not taking Mark. He left us back when we were on the first missionary trip. He took off and left us. I'm not taking him. But I want to take him. We're not taking him. I want to take him. And so, whoom, they split. I want to say again, personal characteristics and surroundings affect the judgment. Sometimes when there is division in the church, a lot of times it has to do with relatives. Or my friend. And I don't want you to say anything about my friend. And we don't. None of us. And so the, 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 the circumstances that surround the, the division that would be in the church or the separation or one set on this side of the church or one set on this side of the church. That doesn't mean you two on this side and these, you guys on this side are against each other. I'm just saying there comes times when there is the separation. And a lot of times personal characteristics and surroundings affect that. Number two, godly brothers may have sharp disagreements and even sad divisions. And that happens. But the one thing that happened with Paul and Barnabas, they stayed focused. Somebody say amen. They stayed focused. And the important thing is, no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, is that you and I stay focused. Focus. Number three, we do not always have to take sides. Most of the time, if we're not careful, we find ourselves falling in a trap by taking sides. Are we listening? It's probably the best of wisdom just to leave the matter to the Lord. Lord, this is between you and them. I'm praying for both. I'm believing God for both. I'm staying focused. Number four, now there were two teams, two missionary endeavors. God is able to overrule such disagreements for good. If the church will stay focused. If we won't get caught up with the the idea of all of that. If we'll say, God, I want to put you first. I want to keep my eyes on the kingdom. I want to keep my eyes on the goal. We will. Look at number five. Little things are often more trying than great things. Let me say something that's very important here. Paul and Barnabas had been through so much as a couple. That's two men. They were tried in so many ways. They were were fought by the Jews. They were fought by the Gentiles, and yet they kept right on going. They didn't, they didn't 
waver one bit in the world. Then they go home after their first missionary journey and they're sitting there and they say, okay, let's go again. And what happens? Lo and behold, they split over Mark. Not some criticism, not some beating, not some escaping from the enemy. Not some ridicule from some Pharisee or religious leader. All of these things happen to them. And all of a sudden, here they are, splitting over this one simple problem. It is important for us to know little things often are more trying than the great things. It's amazing. Listen to me. It's amazing to see people that will serve God when the enemy takes a sledgehammer and comes at them from both sides. And they're on their knees praying. They're believing God. They're serving God. They don't miss a beat. And then all of a sudden things light up. Things get easier. And boy, that's when it's dangerous. My wife and I have talked about it so many times. We have pastored Many wives that their husbands were not saved. And boy, they'd be in church early. They'd be on their knees praying. They'd cry out to God for that mate. They'd believe God for that mate. And then the mate would get saved. Guess what would happen? Mm-hmm. The wife would get cold and indifferent, start staying out of church. She didn't, she didn't stay focused. And we've seen so Many that lost out with God, that backslid when they didn't stay focused on the very thing that God wanted them to stay focused on. And you can take you can take individual Christians, you can take couples, you can take whoever you want to, and and, and boy, trouble can come, sickness can come. Heartache can come. The enemy can bombard them with all kind of things. And they stand true to God. And they fast and they pray and they hold on to God. That's what's wrong with America today. When America had it hard. When they had to stand in line to get food. When there was wars. and The first and second wars. And boy America prayed and pulled together. But after all of that, we don't need God anymore. We don't need to go to church. Boy, it's quiet in here now, but it's true. It is so true that we understand that. That is the reason the best way to promote church union is to engage in great works. It's when the church, by the way, come January, we pay off this church. We won't owe nobody anything. Isn't that great? Be careful. Be careful. The last several months, several weeks, we have been so together, working together and excited about serving the Lord. Why? Because there was a bus that we needed and that bus cost us $40,000. And you say, oh my God. But everybody got to pulling together, praying together, believing together, giving together. And we raised $40,000 and boy, we are on top. But the bus is paid for. Preacher gets a raise. I mean, the, the church will be paid off. 
You better watch out. Because when you're praying for those children, you're praying for that husband or that wife, you're praying for something to happen. If it's hard, we're believing God, we're fasting, we're holding on to God, and we're trusting him. But all of a sudden, see, that's what happened to David. David had wars, and he fought, and he stayed true to God. Nothing could shake him. Paul chased him. Hittites were after him. The enemy was right on his heels chasing him. And he got in to be uh, king and he got to beating up on the enemy. And everybody around him got whipped up on. And one day he was just taking it easy. He was out on his deck. And all of a sudden, there was a lady taking a bath. You better be careful. You better watch. Because that's what happened to Paul and Barnabas. I believe what happened, though, to Paul and Barnabas was God's will. Because the word of God was spread. Can you say amen? The best way to promote church union is to engage in great works. Somebody says, I'm working too hard at the church. I'm giving. Listen, you... If you don't work, if you don't stay focused, we get laxed and unconcerned and at ease in Zion. We need to stay true to the call of God. It is important that we stay true to that call. I wonder where we are today. I wonder where we are in our relationship. Has a relationship between you and someone been damaged? Is there a split? Is there seems to be an impasse to where things just can't be worked out? There's not one thing that can't be worked out if we stay focused. If we keep our eyes on God. If we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I believe in God. That God is going to give us more and more mentors. That will say, hey, I'm doing fine. My family's doing fine. I'm able to pay my bills. God has blessed me. And I'm certainly not just talking about monetary needs here. I want to be able to train someone else to walk in my footsteps. I want to be able to be a blessing to a brother and a sister. I want to reach out to someone that's perhaps not even a believer. And I want to love them. I want to fellowship with them. I want to take them out and buy them a meal. I want to do something to bring someone in. I want to be a mentor to someone else. In fact, to several people. And then as I said earlier, you may be a a mentee, someone that's been mentored, if you are. Be willing to listen. Be willing to be taught. Don't allow things, no matter what will happen. Somebody says, boy, that was a bad thing to happen to Paul and Barnabas. I don't think so. I think it was orchestrated by God. I think think it fell right into the plan of God. Because when you look at the life of Paul and you look at the life of Barnabas, you find my friend that later on, the healing between Mark and Paul took place. And, Mark, and Paul wrote to Timothy, his spiritual son. He said, Timothy, when you come, listen to this, bring Mark with you because he is a blessing to me. 
And he commended Barnabas. And in 1 Corinthians, he said that Barnabas was well-deserving of the monetary offering that, that was given to him. So, so they weren't, they didn't have a falling out over each other, over doctrine. They didn't have a falling out in hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. They simply went their separate ways. And they both kept their eyes on God and the vision and the goals that God had called them for. And God blessed Barnabas and certainly God blessed Paul. And God blessed this young man, Mark, that at one time was fickle and leaving. And now he was back into the fold. Barnabas mentored that, that nephew. And he's back in the fold. And he's the one that wrote St. Mark. He was a great writer. He went and he ministered to Peter and learned about the things that Peter was doing. Great happenings. God's calling us to be mentors. Or he's challenging us to be mentees. Help us to do that. Let us pray.